Hey everyone, Pastor Matt here. You are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Canton. Our prayer is that the Word of God would both transform you and equip you to live a life unleashed for the glory of God. Our desire is that this content would not be a substitute for your regular gathering with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Instead, that it would be a supplemental boost to encourage you as you seek to follow Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now grab your Bible and let's jump into Scripture together. Take your Bibles. Turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And uh, we're going to finish out James chapter 4 today. And uh, then we're going to, we'll take a break and we'll come back a couple weeks after Resurrection Sunday and we will finish up James chapter 5. And uh, then if you're wondering what's coming after James, we're actually going to spend uh, this coming summer going through the Psalms. And so we're going to take a Psalm a week during the summer. And we're just going to, you're going to hear from some different people other than myself too. So you'll get the chance to hear from some of our elders teach. And I'm really excited because Psalms is one of those places where we tell people to go a lot whenever they're uh, in seasons of hardship or distress or anxiety. Uh, but we don't often go there when we're teaching on Sunday. And uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to spend uh, this summer in the Psalms uh, together. And I uh, look forward to that time with you all. Um, but James chapter 4, we've spent several weeks here, and there's so much to absorb, church family. Uh, there really is. There's a lot for us to uh, apply, and it's not easy stuff. Um, in fact, turn to your neighbor and say, it's not easy. Uh, I, I, I was sharing uh, this with our worship team this morning, and um, oh, thank you, kind sir. You are so kind. Thank you, son. And um, well, one, of, uh, one of them said, man, I'm still chewing on last week and I'm going to get ready for another gut punch. And I go, take it up with James. This is, this is God's word and how, how it's communicated. Um, but there's been a lot of focus here on dissension and division within the body of Christ and what causes that. And the contrast to that is how we pursue unity together rooted in Christ. And how do we live and function in such a way that our eyes remain fixated on the very author of our salvation? That really, church family, should be at the heart of what we wrestle with day in and day out. How do I continue to be a person? How do we be a family? How do we be a church who moves forward together with our eyes fixated on the author of our salvation? It should be the motivation for why we sing, why we worship. It should be the motivation for how we live, how we love other people, how we grow and mature. All of the pieces of that um, should root back into not my own betterment, not, not the, the success of ourselves as an organization. It should merely be rooted in the hope that the name of Jesus would be hallowed and the glory of God would be magnified. Amen? Like that should be our, our life-giving breath. And the, the incredible thing about that, I just want to touch on and just... There is so much heavy need 
just in our church family. Just, just represented in those of you here today. That when we sit back, we should be in this place of like, man, I'm really not sure how we, how we move forward. And I'm going to tell you how we do. We, we move forward by fixing our eyes on Christ. And then walking in confidence, not rooted in our own strength, but rooted in Him. And rooted in His ability. And as I reflect upon the last six months, probably, of, of ministry and life, I, I was t- I've told several people this last week, like, it's just been a heavy season for everyone. No one is exempt from this. And so I just, I just want to take a minute and pause in reflection on these things before we come into today, because today is really pertinent in light of this. And we think, how do we move forward? How do we garner the, the energy and the strength to put one foot in front of the other? And what does that look like? Let's just pause a minute, sigh a minute, and go, all right, we serve the God of creation. And in the scope of my very short lifetime, uh, I still serve a God who has been there from the beginning, who's always existed. So let's pause, and I'm just going to pray that we would have open eyes and ears, and that we would leave today encouraged by what Scripture calls us to be encouraged by, and that it would build us up as the body of Christ and unify us as we move forward, okay? Father, you are worthy of it all. And Lord, when we come honestly before you, we recognize we have very little to bring. And the weightiness of life and hurt and grief and broken relationship and trial. Lord, so often we come crawling and dragging ourselves to a place of of asking why and wondering how am I going to get up and do this again tomorrow. And so in the midst of it all, Lord, right now, may we just be able to rest in who you are, in who you've always been. May we be able to take heart in the truth that you always fulfill your promises. And Lord, may you renew us by this. And Lord, dare we say we praise you for the trials that we might be mature and complete, lacking in nothing, as our brother James wrote. And so, Father, I pray today for my brothers and sisters who are listening to this and they're just exhausted, they're just tired. Lord, that you would remind us today what you call us to and how to simply walk faithfully one day at a time. May you be glorified, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. James chapter 4. I want to start in verse 13, and I'm just going to read our passage for today through the end of chapter 4. It says, Come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. 
Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Now, if you get nothing else out of today, I want you to grab hold of this one idea, this one concept. And it is simply this. If my plans take precedence over God's purposes, then my eyes are on the wrong things. If my plans take precedence or are prioritized over God's purposes, then I have fixed my eyes on the wrong things. Now, James is really clear into who he is writing this exhortation to in verse 13, where he says, Come now, you who say... Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. So, in other words, to shorten this, where are my planners? Where are you? Because I'm with you. Where are my planners? And where are you procrastinators? There's way more of you. I have good news. I have good news for those of you who procrastinate today. Okay? You will be challenged less with walking in faith than those who plan. Now, I still have a word of challenge and rebuke for those of you who procrastinate, okay? Um, That's coming. But this primarily is focused. And if we're honest, even those of us who procrastinate still vie for control. We still yearn to have control, even if the control we have is over our procrastination. Right? I'm going to control when I'm going to do this. I'm going to still do it on my time. And so at the end of the day, every one of us is guilty of even thinking. And naturally speaking, our fleshly mindset goes, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do this next year. And in the next frame of you know, season of life, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And we're going, to, we're going to do this. And, you know, I look forward to when I can do this. And I go here and, and act in this way. Here's the danger. We don't know if tomorrow will come. And our tendency, as our main idea implies, is our tendency is to place my plans and my wants and my desires over the purposes of God. And so we read scripture or we hear a message like today and we think to ourselves, that sounds nice. I I, kind of like how this sounds, but then we step into our week and where's my mind? My mind, naturally speaking, it's not hard for me to fix my eyes on everything else other than the purposes of God. Because it is who your flesh is. Your flesh is prone to yearn for and pursue what your flesh wants. So written to those who are prone to, To say, today or tomorrow we're going to go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. And and then there's this rebuke. And what I want to leave you with today are two questions, if you're taking notes, that we see in this text. Two questions for you to ask yourself. And the first one, out of verse 14, where it says, uh, this is the question I want you to consider. Does my lack of knowing breed anxiety or produce humility? Does my lack of knowing breed anxiety 
or produce humility. Verse 14, it brings this reality to the front. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Everyone say you don't know. Everyone say I don't know. Okay, we don't know, church family. And it's not, it's not meant to be this complex equation that we have to figure out. Simply put, you have no idea what will come tomorrow. You want to be even more direct. You have no idea what's going to happen when you leave this building. And so, in essence, God gives us some grace by saying, hey, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen in the next hour. I have no idea. Does my lack of knowing, when I think about that, does it produce in me an anxiety and a need to try and plan more? Or a humility recognizing how little control I really have? And the response, the internal and external response of those two things are very different. One depends fully on my own ability to work this out. The other places it back in the Lord's hands to say, Okay, Lord, I, I, I don't know, but I trust that you do. Does my lack of knowing breed anxiety or produce humility? Uh, what is your life? The second part of 14. And he goes ahead and answers the question for you. What is your life? You are a mist. Everyone say mist. You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Appears for a little time and then vanishes. You know, Jesus himself made a comment about this in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 6, I think, actually. Matthew chapter 6. Where he's specifically talking about what we should and shouldn't be anxious about. You think Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, goes hand in hand with this. Jesus is teaching his disciples at the Sermon on the Mount. So these are the words of Christ. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on is not Life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not, get this church family, are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? The answer to that question is you can't. Nobody can do this, right? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Everyone say faith. This is really where this issue resides. It's a faith issue. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, 
Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Today has enough trouble of its own. It doesn't need us adding more to it by being anxious about the days ahead. Now, to be honest with you, church family, this is something that Christians in particular tend to be really, really uptight about. Specifically in terms of like future things. What's going to happen? When's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? And people get all worked up about this. And I go, we don't even know if tomorrow is going to come for me. I have no idea. Now, it doesn't mean that the scripture doesn't give us some understanding of this for our benefit. However, it does not change our responsibility today. And you are here today. Jesus has not returned. And so our responsibility stays the same. Does my lack of knowing breed anxiety or produce humility? Which of those is at the root of who I am most days? Now, verse 15 gives us an alternative to this. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wills, Lord willing, we will fill in the blank. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves is, do Our plans leave room for God's sovereignty. Do our plans leave room for God's sovereignty? And when I say God's sovereignty, what I mean there is, does it leave room for the fact that God is the one who ultimately knows, not me? Do my plans leave room for God to say, eh, nope, and me be okay with it? Because I know he's in control. Most of us, if we're honest, are not okay with that. If I'm honest, I am not okay with that. It's hard for me. If you doubt that at all, you can ask my wife. When my plans get uprooted and turned on on their end, I lose my mind. Seriously. And in fact, she learned really early on, one of the... (laughs) One time in Oregon... Uh, It was my birthday, and she showed up in my office and said, Okay, come on, you're leaving your office. We're going to do something. And I, like, froze. Because in my mind, like, I had my to-do list. I had everything out on my desk. And I I literally struggled to just leave what I was doing and go with my wife. And it was because in my mind, I was so rooted into my own plans that, ugh. So to this day, she'll ask me, like, Do you want to know what we're going to do on your birthday? And we've learned to, we've learned to work through that. It's good. But how quickly we lose sight of this. We lose sight of God's working in the midst of even your mess. So much so that when things don't go according to our own plan, we often look and go, what are you doing? Like, this was supposed to go my way. And it's not. This last week I heard a statement that has just resonated with me. And it's not easy, but it's this statement. Listen to this. We are never more useful to the Lord than when we are fully dependent on Him. We are never more useful to the Lord than when we are fully dependent on Him. 
And it coincides with this emphasis in Scripture that His power is made perfect in our weakness, not our strengths. That's why God so often uses, a majority of the time, you look throughout Scripture, He uses the most unlikely of people to accomplish His purposes. Why? Because then that person can't go, I did that. I did that. Instead they go, I, I, I can't take any credit for this. This had to be the Lord. Now, this does not mean that we never plan. Procrastinators, this is where you come in. Okay? This does not mean that we never plan. And, and here's why I say that. Because <laughs> we can be just as distracted by our lack of planning as we can by our plan. When we fail to plan at all, we get so consumed by anxiety when we get down to the deadline that we don't know which way is up. Some of you are planners to a fault and others of you are procrastinators to a fault. Either way, both of you need to fix your eyes on the one who's in control. Those of us who are planners can learn a lot in a walk of faith where we don't get super anxious about stuff that we don't even know is going to happen. And those who are procrastinators can learn a lot from knowing what has God purposed beforehand and how do I walk faithfully in that. Every single one of us can grow in this way. If my plans take precedence over God's purposes, then my eyes are on the wrong thing. Now, 16 and 17 reveal another aspect of this. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. What what does that mean? It means that when I'm prone to fixate and say, this is what I'm going to do, I boast in myself over the Lord by assuming that my way is going to happen. I'm arrogant in that. How dare I think that I hold any control over the scope of what's going to happen tomorrow? I can plan, but at the end of the day, I should come back and say, Lord willing, this is going to take place. Here's what this means. My eyes fixated on my plans leads to my plans over God's purposes. Okay? My eyes fixated on my plans leads to my plans over God's purposes. Now, here's the, here's the overarching theme of Scripture. No matter what you do, you will never thwart the ultimate purposes of God. It's just a question of how long it's going to take you to figure out that it's a lot easier in the scope of my life if I walk in tangent with the purposes of God. And family, it's not, it's not hard to figure out. If you wonder, what is God's will? What is God's purposes? It's here. It's here. You know, it's not some abstract dot on the map that you have to figure out. God has called you to live in faithful obedience today. What does it look like to live in faithful obedience it, it, it looks like His Word. How do I live this out? How do I focus on that? When all I can see is what I'm going to do next, work on next, buy next, accomplish next, experience next, I am not fixated on what God would do next. The most dangerous of distractions come in recognition of eternity. And I hear this so often, family. I've got plenty of time. I'll take care of that another time. In this stage of my life, I just can't. And yet each one of us recognizes if we're not promised tomorrow, then where am I at with the Lord today? Have I committed my life 
in faith to the Lord? Or am I walking, hoping that I'm going to have 20 more years? Am I devoted to the Lord or am I, am I enjoying life in this season? And you know what? I'll have time to devote myself to the Lord later. And let me tell you, you don't have to become a pastor or go to Africa to be faithful to the Lord. We praise God for those callings. But you have the opportunity today to be faithful right where God's placed you with the opportunities He's put in front of you. You could do that today. We need to recognize that we choose today how we will live. We choose today whether I will live in faithful obedience to the Lord or whether I will live in obedience to my flesh. If my plans take precedence over God's purposes, then my eyes are on the wrong things. Now, to sum this up with this image, and I know many of you are dying to know what in the world this pile of sticky notes is up here. If I'm honest with you, I really wanted to get 30,000 of these. But I figured it would be frowned upon to spend $200 on sticky notes. Okay? So I, I, I instead got 3,600. Now the reason I wanted 30,000 is because the average lifespan of any individual is 74 to 80 years. If you take that by the number of days, it comes out to close to 30,000 days. 3,600 comes out to about 10 years of your life. 10 years. Now, when I was putting this together, I was thinking back and going 10 years ago. 10 years ago, my wife was 16 weeks pregnant with our first child. I was finishing my last semester at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and I had just accepted my first pastoral position in Roseburg, Oregon. That was 10 years ago. And since then... We now have three children, and I'm back in Fulton County, Illinois, where I grew up, pastoring here. And I think if you had told me 10 years ago to this date that this is where I would be, I would have laughed at you. But here's what we do. We like to look out and think, man, what am I going to do in 10 years? We would even take a week of this and go, what am I going to do? How's this going to look? How am I planning today for the next 10 years of my life? And we hear things and talk about things like this. Now, intrinsically, it's not detrimental unless my focus begins fixated on every single one of these post-it notes. And I think I've got to have this figured out. Family, this is an anxiety attack waiting to happen. Good Lord, every one of these colors is a hundred sticky notes. Even that is ridiculous for us to think that we're going to go through and we're going to plan out how our life is going to play out. So instead, what does God's word call us to? What does it call us to? And this is where if you if you have a a thing of sermon notes, you could turn it over to the back and see that I put a sticky note on your sermon notes because What does faithfulness to the Lord look like? Here's what it looks like. Watch. All right. All eyes up here. Here's what it looks like today. Oh, I lost like 20 years of my life. (laughs) 20 days, something like that. I don't know. 200 200 days. It looks like this. Okay. Pull, Pull today off. Pull today off. 
And here's my challenge for you. On one sticky note, write down what it would look like for you to be faithful to the things that matter. On one sticky note. Because here's the thing. Here's what I believe, church family. I believe that what God has called us to in His Word can be summed up on one sticky note. And what we do instead is we take a bunch and we go, all right, I got a plan, seven days. And I start, I start pulling off notes and trying to write stuff down. And now I'm stressed because all along the way, I've got all these things to come back to. And I'm already losing my mind. And in the scope of that, all of those notes begin to be filled with things that are my plan, not his. So what would it look like for me to take one? And at the top of that, write faithfulness. What would it look like for me to be faithful today? Because today is what I have. Today is what I have. Here's where the conviction, the conviction piece of this comes in, in the final verse of this, in verse 17. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And where does that leave us today? God has placed a burden on your heart today. Of some kind. As you think about your own tendencies to plan and organize and try and adjust and something sticks out to go, I need to give more time to this. I need to be more devoted here. I need to be faithful here. I need to reorient my life here. If you know what the right thing to do is and you're not doing it, you sin against the Lord. The problem is many of us know we just don't want to let go. I just don't want to relinquish control. And yet, it is the first step to us walking in faithful obedience to God. In humility to say, God, I don't have this figured out. I give this into your hands. I give my life to you. And then causes us to step back and go, why me, God? Why use me? Because with the great love with which he loved us, God gave his son as the substitute on my behalf. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. It is through Christ that we can simply be faithful. So to close, church family, I challenge you to actually take the sticky note challenge in this. And to write down, not just today, but get yourself some sticky notes. You get 3,600 if you want. I don't recommend it. Okay? But get yourself one and then wake up in the morning and write down today, what does it look like for me to be faithful? And then at the end of the day, that becomes the measuring stick by which we see if we had a successful day or not. Not your to-do list, not your plans, not your purposes, my faithfulness to the one who has saved me. May we be a people so fixated on Him 
that our hope is unfaded and unchanged. Let's walk that journey together. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're going to sing one last song together. Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name? We're going to sing that together. But we're going to pray first. Father, may we be a people who consider these things and take up this challenge in a way that glorifies you. Lord, may we stop and consider what you have called us to in faithfulness, recognizing that if we know what we should do and we fail to do it, we sin against you. Lord, may you bring us to a place of confession in that. Recognizing your sovereignty, your control over all things, that we would walk as you've called us to, not simply distracted by our own plans and purposes. May that work start in us today. 